Thanks so much for joining us here on the Rivers Church Podcast. We see a church full of passionate people who reach the unchurched with the gospel of Jesus. Our heart is to equip people to love, live, and lead in God's kingdom. We hope you enjoy today's message and pray that it encourages you to be all that God has destined you to be. If you need anything, please feel free to reach out to us and check us out on our website at riverschurch.co. That's riverschurch.co. that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. And with two, they were flying. They were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, The doorpost and threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe is me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among people of unclean lips. And my eyes have now seen the King, the Lord Almighty. The one, then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which was taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my lips and said, see This has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. And then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and whom will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. He said, go and tell this people, be ever hearing, be never understanding, be ever seeing, but never perceiving. Make the heart of this people closed, Make their ears dull their, and close their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. Then I said, for how long, O Lord? And he answered, until the cities lie ruined and without inhabitants, <clears throat> until the houses are left deserted and the fields ruined and ravaged, until the Lord has sent everyone far away to the land uh, and the land is utterly forsaken. And though a tenth remain in the land, it will again be laid waste. But as the terabith and oak leave stumps when they are cut down, so the holy seed will be the stump in this land. This is the word of the Lord. For your seed, once you go ahead and join me in prayer. Interesting passage there, and you can kind of feel like there's this The first section kind of fires you up, and the second section is kind of like, all right, praise God. You know, it's kind of one of those. So we're going to have fun talking about this passage here uh, today. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that we could all be here today, Lord. There's people online. There's people in the room, and we're just grateful that we could gather and hear from you. Lord, I pray that you would uh, come to every single one of us today right where we're at, Speak to us, Lord. Help us, encourage us, lead us, guide us, Lord. Again, I pray. If there's anybody here that has never said yes to you and put their trust in you, Lord, I pray that today would be the day. And Lord, I pray that all of us would be like Isaiah and say, here I am, Lord, send me. Use me, Lord. I'm available. I'm ready to do your will. Lord, I pray that would be the posture 
of our heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord, help the sons continue their winning ways as well, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Sorry, I almost forgot. I almost forgot. Very important part of our prayer. So today is part of a new series, not, I shouldn't say new series, we're in this theme this year of 2021 called Kingdom First. And so we ended the series God's Plan, but we're coming back to this theme. And so we're going to spend a couple weeks talking about Kingdom First because our desire is that we would be Kingdom First people, that we would seek God above everything else. And there's a lot of things that we go after and we seek in life, but Jesus said, Matthew 6, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. And so we really want to be kingdom first people. This is the theme of the year. We'll keep coming back to it throughout the year just to kind of remind us of really how we're called to live, and that's putting God first in every single area of our life. And so today we're going to talk about success, and this is a great Transition out of the last series, God's plan, because it really leads into this next question, and I want you to wrestle with this for a few moments and think about this today. How do I know I'm living a successful life? How do I know that I'm being successful in my life? And I think all of us want to be successful. I actually haven't met anybody that says my dream is to be just a complete loser, drop out of everything, quit everything, and not be successful in anything. I have not met that person yet. There's a desire within all of us to, to be successful. But what is success? How do we define success? And what we see is that God has a different version of success than maybe what we think success is. I want to talk about that today. What is success? Is success uh, achieving and obtaining as much as we want to have, we would like to have, because the world has a definition of success. The kingdom of this world has a definition of success. It's to get as much money as you possibly can, have a big house, a nice car, lots of cars, lots of toys, accumulate, achieve, grow, climb the corporate ladder, be popular, have thousands of followers on Instagram and Facebook, make sure you have hundreds of likes with every post, and there's all these definitions of success that if we're not careful, our heart goes there. Because we long for that sense of popularity. We long for that sense of people looking at us and saying, oh, look at them. Oh, they have arrived. They are there. They are successful. There's something inside of us. It's selfishness, but we love when other people look at us in a certain way, or at least we think they do. And so there's this drive for worldly success that we all can fall prey to if we're not careful. But God has a different perspective on Success. And it's important that we have a good theology on what success is. Because theology shapes how we live our life. Theology shapes practice. And so in the kingdom of God, what does it mean to be successful? We're going to talk about this today. Now, I know that God has placed dreams inside of you. There's desires inside of every single one of you. We've talked about that in the God's Plan series. And I believe you should go after those things. I think you should dream big. Dream big. Uh, we serve a big God. Dream big. Like He wants to do great things in you and through you. So dream big. But dreaming bigger is not necessarily the issue for, for most of us. Dreaming better is. And I want to encourage you to dream better, not just bigger. And what I mean is I want you to dream 
dreams of being successful in God's eyes. Dream dreams of being successful according to the kingdom. What does it mean to be successful in the kingdom? And, and what we learn is that God's idea of success starts off really more about being than doing. Doing is a, definitely a part of it. There, there's doing. He's got things he's called you to do. He has created you to do good works is what his word tells us. But it really starts with being who you are and who you are becoming. And so I want us to make sure that we are dreaming that we're going after success, but we're going after it the right way. And so we're looking at this passage here in Isaiah. And Tony just read it, but we're going to walk through most of it again here for a few moments. And we're going to look at this and see what we can learn about what it means to be successful. And again, this is a great segue out of God's plan series because God has plans for you. I believe God wants you to be successful. I believe God wants you to enjoy life, to make the most of life, to live life to the fullest. Do you believe that? God has so much for us, and so we want to just enjoy all that God has for us. And so what does that mean? What's that look like for us? And so we learn from this Isaiah 6 passage. I love this passage of Scripture. So good. This has been a passage that I have gone to countless times throughout my adult life and my ministry life. As I come back to this, this is like an anchor for my soul, this passage here, is it shows me what it means to be successful in God's kingdom and in God's eyes. Verse one, let's look at the first few verses here again, and we'll talk about them. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on the throne, high and exalted in his train. The train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, each with six wings, with two wings, they covered their faces, with two, they covered their feet, and with two, they were flying. And they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the sound of their voices, at the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. I want to talk about three things, really three steps to kingdom success. And number one, as we see in this passage, is we have to start in this place where we recognize God's greatness. Recognize the greatness of God. We just took several moments to sing that and declare that. I love that. And we didn't plan that by any means, but we talked about how great is the Lord, right? And it's important that we have this posture we recognize God's greatness. That's what's happening for Isaiah right here. He is having this vision. He's in the presence of God, and he's seeing God is great. Now, did you notice when Isaiah is having this vision? It's in the year that King Uzziah died. King Uzziah was an interesting guy. He actually was a really good king for a lot of years. Great guy. Until he wasn't. His success went to his head. He started thinking life was all about him. The world revolved around him. He was above the law, above other people. And he became very prideful, so much so that God struck him with leprosy. And he died alone as a leper. It was an unfortunate ending to a, what started out as a good kingship. So... This is the year that King Uzziah died. The man that became so full of himself, so full of pride, he died. In a sense, you could say in the year that pride died, Isaiah says, I saw God. And we've got to understand that pride is one of those things that will hinder us from experiencing God. It will hinder you and I from seeing who God is and seeing how great he is and what he wants to do in our life. And so the king 
which was Uzziah here in this time period, is supposed to point people to God and who God is and worship God. He had lost track of that, become very prideful, but now pride was dead. Now Isaiah can see God. And you've heard me talk about pride before. If you've been around here for a while, you know, God's not out to hurt your pride. He's out to kill it. Pride will hinder us from believing in God. There's a lot of people, I don't need God, I'm good. I got all this, I'm, I'm provided, I've got a great house, and I'm, I'm good, I make enough money, I, I'm fine. Pride says, I don't need God. Okay, pride, uh, even when we believe in him, can still get in the way from me seeing God for who he is and seeing his greatness. And so, pride needs to die in our life. I encourage you to walk in humility. In fact, I think two of the most important characteristics we all should have is hunger and humility. Are you hungry? Are you humble? Walk in hunger and walk in humility. That's how you kill pride in your life. Pride likes to rise up inside of us. And so pride has died. Isaiah is having this encounter, this vision of God. He is literally in the presence of God. I love this. This is a glorious passage. And I love it when we have moments like this as well. Have you ever been in the presence of God like this where you just you sense the tangible, manifest presence of God? Okay, so... We can understand that God is everywhere, right? God is omnipresent, but there are times where God manifests his presence, and you can feel, sense, experience, like, I am fully in the presence of God. Like, this is incredible, and I pray you have those experiences. I pray that we experience that when we gather every Sunday. We're going to sing another song at the end. I pray that you experience the manifest presence of God. That's my prayer for you, and it doesn't have to happen in church, too. It can happen anywhere, anytime, because that's how great God is. Isaiah is in the presence of God, and he realizes God is great. Look at this. God is so, I mean, think about how great God is. God is so great that he existed before time existed. God transcends time. It is not a barrier for him. It does not limit him or hinder him. He is beyond time. We understand how great God is. And again, we sang a song just a few moments ago that just really declared that. And I sensed in our hearts, we believed it. God is great. God is so great, guys. And in a sense, every time we're worshiping, that's what we're declaring, right? The greatness of God. God, you are God and I'm not. It's about you. You are great and I'm not great. And I need you. Okay, so we've got to start there. Kingdom success begins, I've got to recognize who God is, and it's not me, and I can recognize God's greatness. Second thing is, let's read the next couple verses here. This is Isaiah's response. I love this. He goes, woe to me, I cried. I am ruined. This is great. I'm ruined. I'm messed up. Oh, my life is over. This is from a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin is atoned for. Second thing we need to do is we need to let God purify us. This is a powerful moment in Isaiah's life right here. Presence of God, encountering God. He realizes, I don't even belong here. I am so sinful. I live among sinful people. Like, I shouldn't even be here. But God is saying, I want you. I want you close to me. And this angel brings these, this, these coal and touches his lips, signifying he was forgiven. 
and his sins were atoned for. And in a sense, God is saying, now you are able to be in my presence. You're able, you are free to be here. Because what separated us, sin, is no longer an issue. It's atoned for right now. And this is a foreshadowing of what Jesus was going to do for us, right? As we live on the other side of the cross and recognize that Jesus atoned for all of our sins. He paid the price. You are forgiven. You are set free. Your sins are atoned for. And so when we're saying yes to Jesus and, and believe in him and following him, we have this recognition that, man, I, I sinned. My sin separated me from God. I couldn't even be in relationship with God because of my sin, but Jesus took care of that. We sang a song about that at the beginning. Gone, gone. My sin's dead and gone. Okay, it's done, taken care of. Jesus did it for me. That's amazing. And so you and I can actually have relationship with a holy God because of what Jesus did on the cross. And so we are atoned, our sins are atoned for. You and I are made righteous by Jesus. And so then we're in this process of growing in this relationship with him. God's goal for you is to become more and more like him, that you and I would be transformed into his likeness. This is why part of the mission statement of our church is to live like Jesus. And so we want to become more and more like Jesus. Christian literally means little Christ. Did you know that? We're trying to be like him more and more and more. So God's on this process we call sanctification. It's a spiritual growth process. And so we want to continually allow God to do a work of transformation inside of us and allow him to purify us more and more and more. And one of the things that really saddens me, just breaks my heart, is when I see Christians, they believe in God. They accept his forgiveness, and they want to walk in holiness, but only to a certain extent. Because I don't want you to touch this area of my life, God, because I want to walk in purity. I, you know, Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart. They will see God. God, I want to see you. I want to see your power. I want to see you do work. But I don't know if I want to walk in purity in this area of my life because I like this area of my life, if we're honest. And so we want to walk in holiness. But sometimes we can see believers saying, but not this area, God. Don't touch this area. This is mine. Uh, I don't even want to pray about this. I don't even want to feel convicted about this. I don't want you to talk about this. Don't address this issue in my life. Um, and it's amazing how we can go there. And we value in our society humor over holiness. We value instant gratification over godliness. And we just want to please ourselves. And sometimes we don't even realize it. It's kind of subconscious. But we've got to let God have our whole heart, our whole life. God, you can purify every single area of my life. Every area. I want my life to make sure it lines up with your word. I really do want to be holy. I want you to purify me, God. Because I want to become more and more and more like you. And I just love that God in his grace helps us with that. I love that so much about God. We need to recognize God's great and let him purify us. Walk, continue to walk in that process of purification of God. Okay, your sins are taken care of. 
But then there's this issue sometimes in our mind and our soul. There's things that God wants to continue to cleanse out of us, some stinking thinking that maybe is there that he wants to take care of, some issues, that some habits maybe we keep going back to that we didn't realize are hindering us in our relationship with God and moving forward in life. Let God purify those areas as well. I think that's why the author of Hebrews was saying, hey, you know, let go of the sin that so easily entangles and those things that trip you up. And there's other things in our life that can trip us up. Okay, so let God purify us. Okay, so then we've got to get to this next part here. If we're going to live out kingdom success. And this is where we get to the famous call of Isaiah right here. It says, then I heard a voice, the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here, here am I, send me. And he said, go and tell this people, be ever hearing and never but never understanding, be ever per, uh, seen, but never perceiving. Make the heart of this people calloused, make their ears dull and close their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. Then I said, for how long, O Lord? And he answered, and, okay, so we won't go into this, but here's what's going on here. Here's what's happening in this, in this passage. Isaiah hears God say, who will I send? Who will go? And we gotta understand that God's not just throwing out this call like, is anybody out there? Does anybody hear me? Hello, hello, I want to send somebody. Will anybody go? Does anybody care? No, he's actually specifically giving Isaiah an opportunity. This isn't like a call to somebody out there. This is for Isaiah. And Isaiah says, I'll go. Here, here am I, God. Use me. I'll be the one. Send me. And he's probably thinking as, he said, as he's saying yes to this, this is going to be awesome. God's going to use me. I'm going to be his messenger. I'm going to proclaim the, the words that he gives me. I'm probably going to see like the greatest revival Israel has ever seen. Everybody is going to fall on their knees and worship God. This is going to be awesome. It's probably what Isaiah is thinking as he's responding to the call that God has given him. And then God goes into, okay, now go. Awesome. Go, Isaiah. Now here's what's going to happen. You're going to proclaim my message and no one's going to care. You're going to speak these things. In fact, their hearts are going to get harder than they already are because of the message that you are speaking that I'm going to give you, by the way. So people are going to go further away from me as you proclaim my message. But in the end, you're going to help a little bit, a little bit of people. There's going to be a tenth. And so go, Isaiah. Proclaim my message. Do what I'm calling you to do. Now, if God said that to you, what would you do? <laughs> so I'm calling you to go and, you know, whatever career. And as you live out this career, you are not going to make money. You're going to be flat broke. You're not going to be successful by the world standards. You are not going to make a difference. No one's going to care. No one's going to buy your product. Um, people aren't going to listen to you. Even as you continue to serve and love and work hard and do all this, it's not going to make a difference, but in the end, it will for a couple people. Would you do it? This is the call of Isaiah. And yet, as you read through the rest of Isaiah, which is a very long book in the Old Testament, I think it's the second biggest book next to Psalm, you see that Isaiah carries out God's call, God's will, faithfully. If you want to be successful in God's kingdom, you've got to do God's will faithfully. Do God's will faithfully. 
show you a picture of Hugh here. Hugh is, is a man who got saved when he was about 30 years old. And do we have that picture, by the way? I don't know if we have that picture. No? No picture of Hugh? Okay, let me talk about a guy named Hugh. Okay. <laughs> so he was a man who got saved. He said yes to Jesus at about 30 years of age. And from that moment on, just loved God passionately. And brought his family to church. And he served Jesus and was a part of that church that he got saved in, that, that same church, for the next 55 years of his life. For 55 years, Hugh served God faithfully. And he served his church faithfully. He was a Sunday school teacher. He drove the bus. He was on the board. He served in outreaches. I mean, he, he fixed and repaired. Like, Hugh was a refrigerator and appliance repairman. And so he would fix all of that for the church. And so for 55 years, he faithfully loved and served and followed God and did God's will for his life the best he could. For 65 years, he was married to one woman. 65 years married, 55 years devoted to God and his one church that he belonged to, which I just want to see more and more these days. Uh, honestly, it's, it's one of these things where I just... And I know God can move and direct and guide and lead, but where are the people that are like, man, I've been, I've been a part of this church for 50 years, just serving faithfully. I mean, Hugh served through many pastors and even some pastors that he got upset with at times, I'm told. Because Hugh was a part of the church that I grew up in, my hometown. I grew up and I got to see Hugh on a regular basis in my church. And I remember coming back to uh, my hometown, me and Amy, we, you know, we got married and came back and I served on staff at my home church that I grew up in. Hugh was still there. I remember having prayer meetings. He was a man of prayer. And the picture I wanted to show you was him on his knees in the front pew of that church in my hometown, in my home church, praying. He was praying because that's what he loved to do was pray. I can remember being in prayer meetings with him and it was just me and him. Just me and him, the only people in those prayer meetings, praying for an hour, and it was awesome because Hugh was my grandfather. And Hugh is somebody that none of you had ever met, none of you will ever probably hear about again after this unless I talk about Grandpa Hugh again. And you might say, well, is he, you might wonder, is he successful? Well, did he live a successful life? Well, probably not by the world standards. But I can tell you, I'm a follower of Jesus because he said yes to Jesus when he was about 30 years of age. He made a difference in my life, and he impacted my life and my whole family. Oh, we got a spiritual lineage because that man found Jesus and brought his family to church, and grandkids and great-grandkids are now serving Jesus because of his legacy and his work. I mean, he discipled, loved on so many people, prayed for so many people. I still hear stories when I go home about how my grandfather impacted people. And so outside of Lewis County, he may not be very famous or popular, but did he live a successful life? He faithfully served God for 55 years, 
devoted to one woman for 65 years. My friends, that's a picture of success. What is success? It's you doing God's will faithfully. I love when you read through the rest of Isaiah. There's lots of crazy stuff in Isaiah, but what it is, it's just an account of one man not being successful by the world's standards, but faithfully carrying out God's will, therefore successful in the kingdom of God. Especially when you put on top of that all of the prophecies about the coming Messiah. Clear, prophetic words that were going to be fulfilled 700 years later by Isaiah. But it's chapter after chapter after chapter of people not listening, not caring, that he carried out God's will for his life faithfully. Success in God's kingdom, friends, is faithfulness. It's faithfulness. And next week, we're going to go into part two of this message here. We're going to go deeper into this. What does it mean to be faithful? What does this look like? And so some very important things we've got to understand about success in God's kingdom. But right here today, it's important for us to understand this. Success in God's kingdom is faithfulness. It's faithfulness. Because in the end, what do you want to hear God say to you? (laughs) Well done, good and famous Christian. Well done, good and popular YouTuber. Well done, good and successful businessman. I'm so proud of you. Come on in. Is that what we're going for? If we're honest, sometimes it is. Amen. Amen, buddy. (laughs) We want to hear these words, Matthew 25, and we'll look deeper into these words next week, but we really want to hear these words, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful to do what I called you to do. You faithfully carried out my will for your life. This is why it's important for us to understand what God's will is. We just spent weeks talking about God's will, understanding God's will. How does God reveal his will to us? Success, friends, is you and I faithfully living God's will for our life. So in the end, the goal is that you and I would hear God's look at us. We're all going to stand before our maker. We want to hear God say, well done, good and faithful servant. Those are the words that I pray God speaks over you. And right now, you and I are living a life that's speaking a message. We're portraying, proclaiming a message out of our life. Is it a life of faithfulness or is it a life of fickleness? Is it a life of faithfulness or is it a life of being tossed back and forth by the wave of the sea here and there and all over the place? I I, I pray that you would be a faithful man, faithful woman of God. Live out his will faithfully. And as you do that, You're successful. Did you know you can be successful today? If you live out God's will for your life today, you're a success. And that feels pretty good, doesn't it? You can just pat yourself on the back. I'm successful today because I'm just living God's will today. Success is not a destination someday when I get this much money, popularity, all that kind of stuff. No, success is a journey. It's not a destination. It's you and I living today in God's will. And you can be successful today. And God wants you to be successful. I love what Pete Scazzaro says. Pete, Mr. Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, he says, success is becoming who God wants you to become and doing what God wants you to do. That's simple. And it's easy for us to get caught up in 
Like, yeah, but I want to do what they're doing. I want that successful life. Like, their life looks, we can compare ourselves to other people. It's easy to fall into that comparison trap. And what about them? What about them? Because, like, it's not fair what I'm facing. Pastor John Mark, why don't you go ahead and come on up here? We're going to bring this to a close. We can all go there. What I'm going through is not fair, but what, like, why aren't they experiencing that? And we can compare ourselves. We can look at ourselves. This is, why, this is the danger of social media, friends, right? It just breeds comparison. And we got to guard our hearts. You know, this has been a struggle since the beginning of the church. And just look at a few verses here in John. John chapter 21 is, I think, my favorite chapter in all of scripture. As Jesus comes back and restores Peter, Peter denied Jesus. He said he wouldn't, but he did, just like Jesus said he would. And Jesus doesn't come back and say, I told you so. Huh? Come on, who was right, me or you? Come on, let me hear you. I just want to hear you. Just come on, admit it. Admit it. It's right, it was me. Jesus doesn't respond that way. He responds with love and grace and restores Peter. He says, Peter, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. Do you love me? Do you love me? It's this famous passage in John 21. Do you love me? Do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Okay, feed my sheep. Okay, I've got a calling on you to go feed my sheep. Go start the church. Here you go. And then you go to, what are we going to look at? Verse uh, 18. And Jesus says this to Peter. He says, I tell you the truth. When you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. And Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God, which is amazing verbiage if you think about it. Peter's death would glorify God. Isn't it amazing how you and I, the final act of worship and glorification to God is death. <laughs> I want to glorify God even in that moment. He said this. Man, that just hit me pretty hard. This is how Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, and this is, I love this. Jesus is like, follow me. And so Peter is hearing these words from Jesus. Okay, Jesus is like, okay, I'm calling you to do this. Go and lead the church, feed my sheep. And here's what's gonna happen. You're gonna die on a cross. Follow me. Again, like, listen to this calling. Hey, Peter, the end result of this is you're gonna get crucified on a cross. That's what Jesus is telling him. You stretch out your hands. History and legend tells us that Peter was crucified on a cross, but he says, I'm not worthy to be crucified right side up. Crucify me upside down because I'm not worthy of being crucified like my Lord and Savior Jesus. He was. And so Jesus is basically saying, follow me. I'm going to use you to start the church, feed my sheep. And oh, by the way, the end result is going to be you're going to die on a cross. Follow me. And Peter does. But he struggles for a moment here. Listen to this. <laughs> Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who's going to betray you? And when Peter saw him, speaking of John, by the way, he asked, Lord, what about him? 
But Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. We can all go there. Okay, what about them? Are they gonna have to go through the same thing I'm going through? Is it gonna be hard for them too? Because like this doesn't sound fair to me. Like, like this calling that you have for my life, it's supposed to be like glorious and amazing and successful and easy and smooth, right, Jesus? Is that it? Is that how it works? You, you, like I say yes to you and it's, it's better? Yes, but. And so Peter gets caught up in this. So like, okay, um, yeah, I'll follow you, Jesus. But is, he, is this gonna happen to him too? He's like comparing, like just like, okay, I wanna know that this isn't just like gonna happen to me. And Jesus is like, don't worry about him. Worry about you, follow me. And that's what Jesus would say to you too. Don't worry about anybody else. You just follow me. I got plans for your life. I got a will for your life. You make your will, your specific calling that I'm giving you the focus of your life. Don't worry about other people. Don't get caught up in that. Follow me. Follow me. And as you and I do that faithfully, that, my friends, is success. Success is so important that we understand this theologically as a part of God's kingdom because it changes everything for us. Again, we're gonna go deeper into this, what it means next week, come back for part two uh, next week as we talk about faithfulness, what it means and what Jesus talked about this, but it really starts here, being faithful to him. And so you and I, as the people of God, as the church, I think it's important for us to also wrestle with what does it mean for our church to be successful? What's it mean? What's it mean for the church of Jesus to be successful? Does it mean we have to have Sunday morning services and that we have to have programs that meet my needs and we gotta make sure that we have like, like-minded people and I have to, the pastor, I have to always agree with the pastor, otherwise it's just, that's not the right church for me. And I mean, we, it's funny how we can get caught up in this whole like, success in church is it works for me. Can I go here for a moment? <laughs> because, first of all, remember this. You are the church. Like, we are the church. Okay? So, we got, always got to start there, right? Like, I, like, the church, man. The church is full of hypocrites. The church is messed up. Yeah, and I am the church. So, so maybe I should start with me and take care of me. <laughs> and it's full of imperfect people who are just trying their best by the grace of God to follow God, to... to, to really do what God has called us to do and be successful. So what is success then? Is, is success, in, in, in the American church, we've turned it into, it has to meet my needs. It has to have the right programs for me and my family. But I don't think that's what Jesus intended. I don't think that's why he set this up. I think he wanted us to be his people on mission, changing the world. Making a difference in the world around us. Not worried about what's in it for me, what's in it for me. Okay, God's going to help you. God's going to work in your life. God's going to be there for you, yes. But really, it's about the church. Is, does, does the church exist for me or do I exist for the church? And again, we are the church. So I exist to be a part of the church, to be part of the mission of the church. And we're going to talk even deeper into this this summer. We're going to have fun as we talk about 
love, and Jesus called us to love different. And so love different is the name of our summer series that we're going to get dive into in a couple weeks. It's going to be great. Uh, but we're called to love different than the world. And so success starts as the church that we love differently. And can I just pose this question now before we can get to the series? Like, do we see the quality of love inside the church better than the quality of love outside the church? I hope so. That's the goal. But if in the last year we struggled. And cancel culture is not outside the church, it's inside the church. And so we're called to love different, though. And this is central to the message of Jesus. And it's central to you and I be successful. It's how I love. And then we have Matthew 28. Jesus said, go into the world. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Okay, so you look at, there's so much that Jesus has called the church to be and to do, but you kind of narrow it down to this right here, the great commission. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. Okay, so it's the great commission right here. And so success in the churches, are we doing this? Because successful churches not, did we have a good Sunday morning service? Okay, I hope so. That helps, but that's not like the success marker. Success is, are we making disciples? Like, is that actually happening? Okay, we have some good like Bible studies and programs and ministries. That's great, but are we making disciples? That's success. And so it's important that we put this into our life because we are the church. And so success is living God's will faithfully for my life, but also as a part of the church, am I, are we living God's will faithfully? Are we making disciples? So our mission here at Rivers Church is to love people, live like Jesus, and lead others to him. That's it. This is us. It's the love and the make disciples thing. Love Jesus, or love people, live like Jesus, and lead others to him. The, the, as we grow in doing that more and more and more, and we're faithful to this, guys. This is success. This is what success looks like. Just stand to your feet. Let's pray. Why don't we just go ahead and close our eyes and just take a moment and uh, just say, Holy Spirit, what do you have for me? What are you saying to me? What are you speaking to me in light of this message today? Here's what I want you to know is that God loves you so much that he wants to help you be successful in life. But it's successful in his kingdom, successful in his eyes. And he has sent his spirit to fill you and empower you to live this out. This is how great our God is. You are not alone. He is not just with you and for you, he is in you. And his spirit is in you. He wants to fill you and empower you 
every day to follow him, to do his will faithfully. And so we're gonna end this morning by just calling upon the Holy Spirit to fill us. Fill us, empower us, Holy Spirit, so that we can faithfully live out your will for our life and for our church. We need his spirit. We need his spirit. And so I wanna encourage you as we sing the song, as we pray, let's just cry out to God. Let's get humble and hungry and go after God. Say, Holy Spirit, move. Fill me, fill me, fill me. Help me, empower me to live this life that you've called me to live. He wants to do it, guys. I'm gonna pray over you and let's, we're gonna, let's do this. Lord, I thank you so much for everybody that's here. And Lord, I just pray that your love and grace would meet them right where they're at. That they would know, Lord, no matter what their past is, their history is, where they're at, Lord, that you love them right where they're at. And you wanna help them move forward in your will. Your spirit is here to empower them. And so, God, I pray you would fill them again. Lord, today, Lord, I'm praying over my friends. Fill them with your spirit. Fill them up again. Lord, from the top of their head to the bottom of their feet, Lord, consume them with your spirit. Lord, we need your presence. We need to be spirit-led, spirit-filled people if we are going to faithfully do your will in our lives. So I pray that, Lord, over them. Lord, Holy Spirit, fill us. Holy Spirit, fall in this place. We need you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's get humble. Thanks again for listening to this message at Rivers Church. We'd love to have you subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. To learn more about what's going on in the life of our church community, check us out at riverschurch.co. I pray that this week you would walk in the power and the presence of God. Thanks for joining us.